Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. All right, awesome. Yeah, so my name's Mitch. For anyone that doesn't know me, uh, I'm just going to say apologies in advance if I mess up any of my words or statements uh, this morning. Tori and I had a bit of an eventful day uh, yesterday. Um, Other than Essendon losing by 10 goals as well, which didn't help. Yeah, so I've pretty much decided at this point, um, if anyone has got any AFL teams they'd like me to support for probably 20 or 30 years at this point, I'm open for it, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, yesterday uh, had a bit of uh, excitement, um, I was just at Kmart doing some shopping uh, as we all do, and I get a phone call from Tori, Uh, she was very distraught and upset and emotional, and my first thought is that she'd crashed the car, Uh, but thankfully it wasn't that, Tori was actually at work and she um, was just cooking some lunch with her client and had, uh, had a big knife, had missed whatever she was chopping and had sliced her thumb open instead. So that was a bit of fun. I had to go pick her up from work and um, we rushed to the clinic and they glued it back together and everything like that. Um, But it was all good. She um, got some strong painkillers, so she was living her best life and uh, had some chocolate on the couch, so it was all good. But it was funny. I was thinking about this uh, as we were driving home from the clinic after they uh, took care of her and everything like that. And obviously she cut her thumb because uh, she slipped and, you know, is what it is. But I was thinking and I thought that uh, maybe that she, the reason why she cut her thumb open was simply because she doesn't get enough practice cooking at home. So I thought... So I thought that I'd say that statement publicly, just so if my body is found in a field a few hours later, you know who to blame. But being the loving husband that I am, I thought that if I give her uh, opportunities to improve her skills, then she's going to not cut herself and, um, you know, she'll be a bit safer. As I said earlier, I'm also looking for a different football team to support. I'm probably also looking for another house to sleep in tonight, if there's any available. But I want to share with you this morning a passage from 1 Corinthians. I'm just going to read that out to you all and then just quickly pray and unpack and we'll go from there. The passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 9. It says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food. For you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, for you are not worldly. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? 
What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. All right, let me quickly pray. Father, I just pray uh, for the words that you've laid on my heart. As I share them this morning, that as much as these words have impacted me, I pray that for anyone in this building or watching online, that they would be impacted as well. That your Holy Spirit would come and speak to them, to encourage them, to challenge them, and to speak to them somehow, some way. In your name, amen. Awesome. So we can see from this passage that the premise of it is that Paul's addressing some serious flaws, some issues uh, within the church. And we can see that the that there's this division amongst the leaders, you know, which leader should they follow, who's greater, all this sort of stuff. And Paul's addressing that in this passage in chapter 3. It actually seems to be such a big issue that he addresses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as well. But what I find so interesting about this passage um, is the aspect of it and how much it relates to what Britt was talking about last week. Last week, you know, Britt was preaching about comparison and the damage that it can do. Um, And this is exactly what's happening in this church at the moment. This church is, you know, it's like, oh, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, whatever. They're comparing one another, who's greater, who's better, who should we follow? But what they're actually doing, those people in the church is by extension, they're saying, oh, I follow Paul because he's greater, because he's better than Apollos. I'm following him because he's greater, so that means that I'm greater. And what happens is it creates this damaging um, cycle of comparison that's just going over and over and over again. And we can see that Paul addresses this because he can see the damage that's doing in the church. You know, it says in verse 5 onwards, What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. And so Paul is simply staying there, stop complaining, get on with the job, and let's just do what God's called you to do. You listen to what God wants you to do, you go and do that. I'll do the same, and God will sort out the rest. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, church. I want to talk to you about getting on with the job. No matter how big or or small it might be, and trusting God to take care of the rest. And see, you know, for all of us, or or most of us in this building, or, or watching online, For those of us that are Christians, you know, we should hopefully be unified by the fact and by the statement that each of us individually but collectively all hate the Collingwood Football Club. Just wanted to say that because Joey Percy's sitting right there and I know how much he loves Collingwood. 
And also because I know how terrible Essendon is, and so I'm just comparing the teams, and it's just not going well for anyone at this point. But we should be unified by our Christian faith. You know, we've all got different experience, different lifestyles, different jobs, all that sort of stuff. But that ought to be the thing that unifies all of us collectively. But we also understand that what God has called each of us to do is also quite unique in our expression. The things that I'm meant to do are different to the things that Simon is meant to do. Or the things that Tori is meant to do are different to the things that Sue are meant to do. And so we understand that, but we also understand that we need to be unified in our purpose, but unique in our expression. But in order for that to happen, but in order for us to be unified in our purpose of reaching out, in our purpose of from hearing from God, and to reach out in our you know, unique ways that God has asked us to, we need to understand and apply two critical things. First and foremost, that needs to be you asking the question, God, what are you saying to me? Because it doesn't matter what else you're doing. You're coming to church every week, reading your Bible every day, uh, putting cute little Instagram posts about Bible verses on. That's all good things. Uh, But at the end of the day, if you can't answer the question, what is God saying to you, it doesn't really matter that much. And so if you're sitting in your seat right now and I was to ask you that question, what would your answer be? Could you give um, me an articulate answer? If I asked you right now, what is God saying to you or what has God said to you this week or this month? Could you articulate that to me right now? If you can, that's awesome, that's great. If you can't, maybe that's something that God wants to speak to you. Because at the end of the day, God's always speaking. It's whether we're listening or not. The second thing is, you know, the first was, what is God saying to you? The second is, what are you doing about it? Because, you know, it's good if we can understand what God is saying to us. You know, it means we've got a good relationship. We're listening to his voice. We're reading the Bible. We're getting stuff out of it. All good things. That's what we want to happen. And, you know, he he might teach you something, he might tell you something to address something in your life, you know, whatever it might be. But if you're not applying it within your own life, what's the point of God even saying it to you in the first place? You know, I have this rule uh, with my kids, not my own kids, I don't have my own kids. Uh, I'm a teacher for those that don't know. So I have a rule with my kids in my classroom. And I have many rules because uh, I teach grade threes and they're just absolute menaces. But one of the rules, I can say that, I'm a teacher. You Parents, you've only got like two or three kids. I have like 25, all right? Teaching's way harder than parenting. See, I'm, I'm finding a different place to sleep tonight. I might be finding a different church next Sunday at this rate. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I have a rule in my classroom. 
One of my rules is that I only repeat instructions once. So what that means, if I've got the kids on the floor and I'm doing an activity with them or explaining a worksheet or, you know, whatever it might be, um, in that moment, the kids can ask, you know, as many questions as they want. If they're confused, I can explain it, you know, whatever. But as soon as I send them off to do the activity, um, that's it. So I'll get kids, sometimes they'll come up and they'll be like, oh, Mr. Smart, what am I meant to do, whatever. And if it's a question that somebody, someone else has already asked or answered or I've already explained it, I will just say, go find someone else. I'm not going to tell you the answer. Uh, just like to say, sympathy is not my strong point. If that wasn't clear already. Anyway, but... You know, my, my hope and the principle behind it is that I'm trying to teach the kids um, the value and importance of paying attention to when someone's speaking and then applying that into different areas of their life and things like that. But inevitably, because I teach grade threes, I get kids that come up and I say to them, mate, I said that 30 seconds ago, and they're like, yep, I wasn't listening. Awesome. But I wonder how often we do that with God. I wonder how often we disregard, we delay things that he says to us. Or I wonder how many things that we just miss entirely because we weren't even listening to begin with. Those two things, God, what are you saying to me? And what am I doing about it? You know, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, in that verse 6 and 7, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it's only God who makes things grow. And it's funny, you know, for me, there's different times, different moments, different seasons where God will ask me to do different things, to respond in a certain way, to... Uh, address an area of my character that needs work or, or whatever. And I feel like there's two typical responses that are easy for us to give. You know, I think sometimes what we do is we look at um, the task or the thing that God might have asked us to do. And what we do when we have this internal conversation, when we know God has laid something on our hearts, is what we do is we look at the thing, the task, the, the challenge, the ask, whatever God has said, and we look at it and we choose to place importance on it or not importance by what we value. So let me explain. So for example, the thing that God might have asked you to do is, you know, maybe God's asking you to, um, there's someone at your work that's going through a tough time and, you know, so maybe God wants you to encourage them, write a card with some Bible verses, I don't know, whatever it might be, something like that. But maybe with the mindset that you have, um, as Simo talks about, you know, just briefly the busyness of life and you place more value on that than what God's going to ask you to do it's going to be very easy for that to slip and fall to the wayside. The other response that I feel that we often give, and I say often give because I know there's many moments and many times when I respond to God in these ways that are ways that I probably shouldn't respond and that I've done it far too many times. 
What happens if we have that situation, we have that moment in our hand, we're having that internal discussion, that internal monologue of whether we should do it, not do it, all this kind of stuff. I feel like one of the biggest things that we do is we hold that in one hand and then in the other hand, we hold our level of comfort. And I think more often than not, our level of comfort determines whether we respond to what God is asking us to do. And it's because we're comfortable. It's easy, it's convenient, it's safe, it's secure. There's no risk. There's no steps of faith that are needed. Why would you want to step out of it? But what happens, and I know this because I have done this time and time again, when we place our comfort above what God has asked us to do, above what God has called us to do, In those moments, you put your comfort above God. So what that means in the moment that you make a decision like that, the number one thing in your life is your comfort. And I don't mean that as an accusation. It's simply a statement of a fact. And if I'm honest, you know, it probably breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart because... I know of times of when I've done the exact same thing to God. I remember one time, I was probably 18 or 19. And I had met someone, was a mutual friend, uh, introduced me to someone else, just some guy, was a nice guy, whatever. Um, Saw him at a few different events. It was all good. Um, A few weeks went by. What happened is God spoke to me and said, I want you to tell this guy that I you know, met a couple of times through a mutual friend. I want you to tell this guy that he is a rock, that he'll be a source of um, strength and stability for his family and you know, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I was like, nah, that's, 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 that's uncomfortable. That doesn't seem nice. I don't want to do that. Anyway, a few weeks go by. God keeps prompting me. And this guy's a Christian, so it's not like I'm going up to some random on the street. Like, he knows all about, like, prophetic words and stuff like that. Like, he's in the inner circle. He knows what's up. He understands it all. And so God keeps prompting me. And time after time, I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. Too uncomfortable. Nope, thank you. Give it to someone else. I'm good. And you know, in those moments, my comfort is above what God's asked me to do. And so I'm not really friends with this guy. So I don't really see him for a while. I'm kind of friends with him on Facebook and obviously some of the mutual friends and stuff. About six months go by. See a post pop up on Instagram. I think it was a post. Maybe it was on Facebook, Instagram, one of them. Anyway, what happened a few months ago, or a few months before I saw that post, when God was asking me to say those things to that guy, is that his older brother got diagnosed with cancer. And so when I saw that, my heart just broke. 
That was a real life example of me putting my comfort above God and seeing the consequences of my action. And so I've thought about it for many, many times after that. And every single time I wonder what that word would have done to him. I wonder what that word would have done if I had just stepped out of my comfort zone and just said, oh, hey, man, can I just tell you something that I think God wants me to tell you? I wonder what it would have done. I'll never know because I didn't do it. But I also understand that if I went around this room, there were probably many many of you that would probably have a similar story to tell. Moments where God has asked you to do something, you haven't responded in the same way. Moments where God has asked you to do something and you said, oh no, I'm too busy, I'll get to it later. I'm sure you would all have moments like that. But you know, your mistakes, missteps, failures, mine as well. What will happen is if you make those mistakes and things like that, you know, that, I've got no issue with that. I, I've made, that's just one story that I told you. I've got many others like it. What happens is, is one of two things. Those mistakes, those things that you don't do that you know God wants you to do. Is that they'll either be stumbling blocks or they'll be stepping stones. Those things will either propel you forward or hold you back. They'll either immobilize you and harden your heart or excite you for the next time that God speaks to you. And so the choice is mine because the easy response is to isolate, is to harden your heart, is to get a cynical mind, is to get locked in to where you are and to not want to move forward. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And for me, when, when that moment happened to me, you know, six, seven years ago, I made a decision since then that whenever God asked me to do something, I would say yes, whatever it took, whatever it cost. Now, I haven't been perfect since I made that promise. Things have been wrong. I've disappointed God. I've let him down a whole range of things. But there are also a number of stories that I'm proud of. There are also a number of moments when I'm proud of myself for taking steps of faith out of my comfort zone for God. But it wouldn't have happened if I was stuck in that mindset. And so our goal is that we we should respond much like Paul does. Much like Paul does in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God has been making it grow. And we can see just from that statement alone, Paul knows what he's meant to be doing. He's heard from God, following a bit of an action plan, but he also knows he's not the be-all and end-all. It's not like, yeah, I'm I'm the king of the world, I'm the greatest apostle ever. He's like, yeah, I planted the seed, Someone else will do something else. God will make it grow. Like, it is what it is. He does what he needs to do and trusts that God will take care of the rest. And our challenge is that we need to trust God in the same way. We need to not be distracted by compromise or comparison. We need to not be distracted by our comfort zone, but willing to trust God. 
We need to trust God that when he asks us to do something and we don't see the value in it, that we do it anyway and trust that it'll have some sort of value to him. That when God asks us to do something and we step outside of our comfort zone, trust that he'll be there anyway. Because at the end of the day, the Bible is 100% true or it's all made up. It's either one or the other. It's not like, oh yeah, he was a good teacher but didn't do miracles. Or, no, no, like it was one or the other. If you don't understand that, um, I'm happy to have that conversation with you after and talk to you about it. But the Bible is 100% true. It's, it's either all of it is or none of it is. So for those of you that are sitting here, for those of you that are watching online, if you're sitting here right now and you trust Jesus with your salvation, then I challenge you to start trusting him with your situation. I challenge you to start stepping out. And the way that, you know, Katie steps out is going to be different to the way that I step out. The way that Ruth steps out is going to be different to the way that Sarah steps out. It's not like just because we all step out that there's suddenly 300 preachers up here on a Sunday morning. But what it does mean is that your ability to influence people will increase. You know, that final verse in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, and the band can come, is it says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, it's our decision whether we enter into a partnership with God or not. At the end of the day, that's all it is. And I love this verse. This is, you know, in Corinthians chapter 3. It's, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God has been making it grow. At the end of the day, that is the only thing that I want for my life. My goal simply is that I would respond to what God is asking me to do and that he would take care of the rest. Whatever it takes. And you know, I talked about comfort a a little bit earlier. I think our biggest issue in the West is comfort. Our number one priority is comfort. Um, You know, we get food delivered to our houses. We get parcels, packages delivered to our houses. And I have no issues with that. I had Uber Eats last night for dinner. have nothing against that. It's a great service. But Christianity is not based upon comfort. It says in John 16 verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And even if you unpack that statement, that has some things as well. You know, even that, so in me you may have peace. Once again, God's offering the peace. You have to choose to accept it or not. You will have trouble, 
This is not a religion. This is not a faith about comfort. You will have trouble. The sooner we accept it, the sooner that we can get past it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. If I could leave you with something, it would be let God do in your life what he needs to do and do in your life what you need to do. As I said from the start, get on with the job. Follow what God has called you to do and he'll take care of the rest. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, as we're in this building right now, as we're watching online, I pray for each and every single one of us. You know, there, we all have times where we uh, let you down, where we don't respond to you in the way that we ought to, where we make mistakes, where full of shortcomings and, and disappointments and failures. But God, I thank you that your mercies are new every day. And Father, I just pray that you will give us a new spirit to reach out. That if we've tried and made a mistake or we've tried and it hasn't gone the way that we wanted it to, that you just would encourage us, God. Say, it's all right. We'll try again tomorrow. And so, Father, I just pray for those that need encouragement that you would give them that. For those that need a softening of their hearts, I pray that you would give them that. For those that need encouragement to keep persevering, I pray that you would give them that. But God, more than anything, I pray that we would respond to what you want us to do. That we would partner with you, God that we would go out and be your church, that we would go out and be your hands and feet. And so I pray for all of these things in your name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, church. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.